Hello, late night listeners. Uh, this is Brian, and I wanted to let you know that we have a Patreon. It's a really fun thing. It's a great way to support the show, and it gets you access to all kinds of exclusive stuff. We have exclusive mini episodes. We have videos of me, for example, writing music for various things of the show. Leighton's doing all sorts of stuff, and it's just a really fun community. You also get access to our Discord if you sign up for our $5 a month tier or up. So uh, if you like the show and you like what you hear, please check us out over on Patreon. It's really a great way to to support us. Thanks so much. And enjoy Late Night with Brian Wecht. It's my Don Pardo impression. What stresses you out more, emails or phone conversations? Oh, phone conversations. Absolutely. Yeah. Because you can ignore an email. Lean, <laughs> <laughs> uh, what is your unread inbox in right now? Uh, I, I'll, I'll reveal mine and we can, we can all go. I got, you know, no unopened ones. I have ones that I've opened that I haven't responded to, but that might be less than five. It's just like checking my other shit, like, <laughs> I, I, you know, promotions, updates, whatever, like I, bills. No, absolutely not. <laughs> Well, you're a lot better than me. My Washington Post inbox and my personal Gmail inbox combined is 10,000 unread. So Holy shit. Yeah. Yeah. Are those things that are legitimately unread or are they things where you just kind of read the thumbnail and then moved on? Yeah, basically like like I don't need to to read that and I'm I'm just not like cleaning my inbox because I don't care. Um and uh, I used to care. I used to really care about zero inbox, you know. Um, yeah. And 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 I got to a certain age where it's like, why am I doing this? It doesn't matter. Like like there's unlimited space on the internet, and uh, I can just look at the inbox and say, ten thousand unread emails is fine. And I just train myself to do that. And this is where wow. I am today. So that sounds very like very zen in a way. Yeah, right? totally. Where it's just like, who cares what the number is, man? It's just a number. It's numbers exactly. are just numbers. It's just a number, you know. Uh, the inbox number is is nothing but a number. That's what it is. Yeah, there are too many things that just like constantly want your attention with notifications, and uh, I'm just going to be withholding. No, you can't have it. You can't have my attention. I'm too busy staring at a fucking wall. So trained in in science, like you get these emails from collaborators who are mm. waiting for you to do your part. And like the paper can't come. I mean, I'm sure it's the same thing with what you guys do if you're collaborating on, you know, a game or an article or whatever. Like people are just waiting for you to do your thing. And especially when you have collaborators all around the world, as I always did, like I would wake up in the morning and have, you know, 20 emails from my collaborators in Israel who like, you know, were far enough ahead that they were just finishing their day and had done nothing but calculations. And then it's like up to me to go. I'm not at inbox zero, but I'm at unread zero. And I feel like I just got trained in grad school and then as a postdoc basically to like to keep that number low. I w- but Gene, I wish I want to be you. I want <laughs> I want to like just not worry about it. I brute forced it. I turned off all notifications on my phone, so I basically just have nothing showing up on my phone other than like the news, I guess, which is the worst thing to have notifications of. Oh, the worst. Yeah, that's the worst one to keep on. I know, I know, but it's my job. Uh, hi, everyone. I'm Gene Park from the Washington Post. So <laughs> that might be the record for fastest introduction we've ever done. Yeah. <laughs> well, some some context, you know, like I have to pay attention. Like if if the president is doing some whatever as he does every day, 
Yeah. I should probably figure <laughs> out like what that is. So doing some whatever. That's pretty yeah, that's the perfect <laughs> Vernon very consistently makes a joke of just being like, So the president's in the news. Yeah. <laughs> Which isn't funny anymore. <laughs> uh have you seen Megan Amram's uh Twitter. Do you guys follow her on Twitter at all? Oh, this is the day Donald Trump finally became president. Yes. Do you know this one, Gene? Yeah, I do. Yeah. Well, we in the news say that all the time. You know, like they say that. Right. They say that shit all the time in CNN. Like, how many days is this guy gonna have? You know. Yeah. <laughs> Just fully unironically. A slightly different version of that uh, is a friend of mine who constantly tweets, "This is Infrastructure Week." And it, it's sort of the same thing. Yeah, it's exactly. It's 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 a very very common Washington D.C. Uh, inside joke that, like, for me, is not funny anymore. It was funny for like the first like few weeks, I guess. <laughs> God, nothing is funny anymore. It's just nightmarish. Nothing is funny anymore. There's no satire. There's no like whatever. It's just like like no. It really is that stupid. That's it. So, yeah, the D.C. insider thing is fascinating to me. I mean, I have. Uh, a, a few friends who live in DC or who have lived in DC, and it really—it's like it's totally a real thing, right? Like it's a whole yeah. insider community. Yeah, totally. It really is. You just see the White House chief of staff not wearing masks and having a coffee outside, you know, just like whatever. Crazy. You know, I have my own like Rush Limbaugh story. I was at, like, behind him at a bar one time, you know, so. Did he say anything or whatever you feel comfortable saying, of course, but like. Actually, <laughs> he, he was at our party and I was trying to usher uh, celebrities and well-known like politicos to like go to our, our little Twitter booth to pretend to be running for president. Uh-huh. So I wanted to rush and I was like, hey, Mr. Speaker, um, you don't know me, but I'm Gene Park from the Washington Post. You want to come take a picture at our photo booth and, and pretend like you're running for president? And he was actually kind of funny about it. He said, I actually tried that a couple years ago. It didn't work out well for me. So <laughs> how many of these, like these people who are consummate assholes in terms of their personalities, like if you met them would be perfectly kind and civil and even a bit charming is it is it most it is and and that's the problem that you get in terms of like access journalism and the in insider party because like behind the scenes you, you know like i've met former white house spokesman sean spicer you know mm -hmm. spicy right yeah i've even called him spicy you know <laughs> and you know he's a total jerk on the press desk right yeah he's a monster yeah with that stuff yeah but if you just meet him out he's perfectly nice and and amiable but that, that's that's what it is you know you're, you're just putting on a face so i i think that's just like something that i wish more people would realize is just everyone is just a person in the like like the mundanity of evil or whatever of just like banality of evil yes that's right yeah 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 banality of evil yeah thank you just like everyone's just kind of like a dumb idiot person and some people just have more power than others and they abuse it in like well awful shit ways i mean i would like these guys are politicians they got elected or whatever for a reason like they're kind of charming and you know their policies might be disastrous and horrible and evil or whatever but clearly there's some element of appeal there that is how they got into whatever position they're in the first place have either of you read john ronson's uh, the psychopath test no, but that sounds fascinating. Yeah. Do you know John Ronson, Gene? No. So, so answer your question, Layton, sort of, because I moderated a panel about psychopaths with him on it. <laughs> Whoa, what? Really? Yeah. So I'm on the board of this, uh, this like pop science critical thinking conference that happens every year called Nexus. This is probably like six or whatever years ago. I moderated a panel on psychopathy and sociopathy. And he was one of our guests. And so Gene, he's this guy, he's a journalist, he's British. He does sort of stunt 
things. So the one you might know better is he wrote this book called So You've Been Publicly Shamed. Oh. Which, honestly, I love that book. Yeah. I remember that. I read it right after Dream Daddy came out, and yeah. it was a time in which I really needed to read it. Oh, wait, that book is being read by a lot of like recently canceled people uh, lately. Yeah, I've seen that on bookshelves everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> everywhere here in D.C., yes. Yeah, I bet. It's a fascinating book. You know, he uses that uh, Justine Sacco as his like flagship example. Oh, yeah, yeah. The Monica Lewinsky stuff is really interesting. The thing where he like pays for that woman to like use the service where they scrub Google of everything and just seeing how deep it goes and yes. how it literally costs like hundreds of thousands of dollars. Yep. And he also tries to figure out like how some people just like bounce back and are fine after devastating cancellations and other people <laughs> like go away forever and can't come back. And there's not really an answer that he finds, but it's an interest. He just does a bunch of case studies. It, it's definitely like not moralizing in any way, which I appreciate. And he has so, it, like his shit's so readable. So like, I, I'm interested to hear more about the psychopath panel, which also everybody listening. I know, I know sociopath, psychopath. They're not, it's not the proper term. It's not a diagnosis. It's question mark problematic to use. How do I know? Because Vernon said it once in an interview and then I got yelled at it, about it for two years. Wow. <laughs> Is that true? I didn't, I didn't know those were problematic terms. Oh God, Brian! Uh, it, 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 it's it's a diagnosis. So, so it's 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 like why I try to stop saying you know like the the, the tweets are are driving me insane. I'm just trying to like move yes. away from that language, you know. Yeah, me too. Yeah, it's smart. I mean, it, it's antisocial personality disorder is the official thing. It's just those oh, words okay. have completely entered the lexicon. But okay, so originally you're asking if I read the book, and the answer was sort of. So what was the original? Uh, where were you going with that? Oh, just sort of like how that book kind of explores that sort of like surface level charm and how mm. um, like the incidence of people with antisocial personality disorder or at least like quote unquote sociopathic traits is so high in politicians and business because it is just genuinely beneficial, which I'm sure is surprising to no one. Yeah. But it's very similar to So You've Been Publicly Shamed. So there's a lot of like, you know, him doing those weird little case studies or interviewing, you know, interesting people. Um, yeah. Just super recommend. They're, they're very good. I love him. He's great on Twitter. He is he's, he's a really fun writer. The other one he did was The Men Who Stare at Goats. Yeah, which I didn't read. I haven't read either or seen the movie. Was that a Coen Brothers movie? No, it's not. But it is a George Clooney movie. Ah, uh, yeah. Okay, uh, yeah, I got the vibe. So to circle back to our wonderful guest this week, <laughs> as he said, he's Gene Park. He covers gaming for The Washington Post. And I am such a fan of his. He takes gaming seriously and writes about it for you know, one of the, the best publications out there and just does a does a wonderful job. So we are thrilled to have Gene on. Actually, we're, we're going to be upfront about this for a second time in as many days. <laughs> Within 24 hours, yeah. But Gene was nice enough to give us a couple hours of his time yesterday. Yeah, because my dumbass was recording on my No, end, no, so. Gene, I'm not going to let you take that. <laughs> Nobody's allowed to keep saying sorry. <laughs> we keep apologizing to each other. We stayed an hour after we got off, like just apologizing to each other. I, I had this, as soon as we got off, I like my stomach dropped through the floor. I was like, oh my God, what did I, poor Gene, what do we do? <laughs> and then me, I was like, you, like went to the bathroom slapping myself. You stupid, you just met Lane and, and Brian wet. <laughs> <laughs> I did the same thing. I was like, no, it's Gene Park. I, I did absolutely the same thing. I just went fully horizontal. <laughs> like, oh, <laughs> oh, this existence. <laughs> but Gene, you are our biggest get ever. Pretty much everyone else that we've had on has been like 
a very casual friend, someone we see like all the time. And, you know, and Gene, I would, I don't want to be presumptuous, but I'd describe you as a friend as well. I love that. I love that you describe me as a friend. I'm happy <laughs> to call you as a friend as well. We've known yeah, each other hey. for like a couple of years now, Brian. So yeah, for a few years yeah. and we, we DM and stuff, but you know, it's like, it's Gene Park. It's the gaming guy from the Washington post. And I was like, <laughs> oh, this is so cool. What a, what a great guest. I was even a little nervous about reaching out for you to, to do it. And then when we went through that whole thing and the audio, we yeah, didn't yeah. have it. I was just like, oh God, what do we do to Gene? Oh. <laughs> and I did the same thing. Yeah. Well, I had to get permission from higher ups because I can't just willy nilly appear in any kind of podcast, which is too bad because there's a lot of podcasts that I would just like to show up at. But, you know, I'm happy to be here late night with Brian Wecht to continue <laughs> the fan circle. I was a huge fan of Dream Daddy. I had Aaron and oh. Danny on the Washington Post YouTube channel. And I tried to get them to talk more about Dream Daddy and about how just how wonderful and accessible that game was. So Leighton, to even meet you is so awesome. So That's so great. Oh, that's such an honor. Thank you. Oh, speaking of which, you mentioned podcasts. What, what podcasts are you into? Oh, yeah. I want to know this. Oh, I actually don't listen to podcasts. Oh, gotcha. Good for you. I know, right? It's amazing. I, I try to minimize the amount of content I put into my brain. So I try not to read articles as much and I don't read podcasts. I've not been watching much YouTube. Sorry to the Game Grumps, uh, I, but it, I, I've kind of fallen off on YouTube as well. Yeah. Uh, but lately during the quarantine, I just haven't been listening to anything at all. So I listen to hip hop podcasts. So I listen to Joe Budden, which everyone loves. So. Oh, nice. Yeah. Yeah. You know. That sounds cool. So yeah, a- apologies, listener. Let's <laughs> continue to apologize. So I imagine we're probably <laughs> going to hit a good amount of the same beats with this information that we already <laughs> all know, and it's going to be like, what? I this is the first time I'm hearing about this, but there there are no. definitely some like topics that I would like to hit, or at least bits I want to rehash because they were funny. Yes. Um, yeah, they were and good. Some stuff that we so. we actually forgot to talk about. Um, so in in initial record in the before times we briefly mentioned asking what are your subs so we do a segment we ask people what subreddits they go to on reddit if you use reddit i'm just making an educated guess and so we have a theme song for this and this is that theme song what are your subs tell me your subs That's fun. Okay. I started and ran the Washington Post Reddit account. Yeah. Whoa. I remember that. That's right. That, that's how the Game Grunts discovered me because I kept referencing, making games, Game Grunts references every time I would like reply to people. And then like event- eventually people were like, what the fuck is he saying? Like, and I'm just, <laughs> and then like I just started tweeting it out. So, and then like I think you noticed. So, yeah, yeah. And what, well, I remember when I was running socials for Game Grumps, I saw you talking about him on, on Twitter and uh, the Reddit. And I was, and then I started following you. We followed each other, and and then I remember going to Aaron one day and be like, "Dude, you know the Washington Post is fucking talking about Grumps on Reddit right now." And he was like, "What? <laughs> what an absurd combination of words!" <laughs> I know, right? And it was it was all because of Gene. So YouTubers, and I'll speak for the most YouTubers here, it, like when anything institutional recognizes your existence, you're just like, "Holy fuck! Whoa!" Because I remember for years, NSP and Grumps and, and a bunch of other stuff, a bunch of the YouTubers too, couldn't get Wikipedia articles to stay up because the moment someone would write something, it would get flagged for notability and then taken down. That's awful. Yeah, right? Which is totally stupid. There's channels with like millions of subscribers yeah. who, because there weren't like 
you know, these institutional sources could technically, according to the rules of Wikipedia at that time, say, you know, okay, well, there's nothing in print about this or whatever. So, okay, that doesn't meet the guidelines. And I remember an NSP article was on the bubble of getting taken down forever. Same thing with Starbomb, same thing with Grumps. Gene wrote this very lovely article, this feature of NSP in the Washington Post. And for us, like, I can't even explain how huge that was. Dude, it's one of my most read articles ever. Is that true? That's yeah, it really, it really is. Like, like a shit ton of people like read that and loved it. So, yeah. Wow, that's so great. Like, and it was just, it was, it was just this really lovely piece. Jim came to our show in, uh, in Silver Spring, and it was just great to meet you. First of all, I know I met Danny's mom and dad, which was awesome. Oh, his parents are the fucking best. They're the best. <laughs> I was yeah. sitting next to them the whole time, and I was like, "Who the fuck are these cool ass old people?" And then like Danny came up, <laughs> and I was like, "No shit, they're your parents, of course." Like I was just like talking to them and like having a blast. Just like talking yeah. back and forth with them. It's amazing. Those guys rule. I was like really fucking smashed at a party at Brent's, as you do, because that lovely bartender that he always hires is the best um, and hooks me up. But, but, <laughs> and then Dan was like, This is my mom. And I was like, This is your mom? This is your mom. She looks like your sister. She's so nice. And I was just like super, <laughs> super drunk <laughs> and super like, Oh, this is so weird. <laughs> <laughs> His parents have traveled. They came to New Zealand to see us perform. They came to several shows in Europe to see us play. His grandma, who was in her 90s, has oh been God. to a bunch of NSP shows. Yeah. Like his family is so supportive. I mean, they've come to the you know Grumps shows as well. I just haven't been there for for those, but they they've been to so many NSP shows. They're the best. I I, I love his parents. I haven't really talked to, about this too much, but um so my my parents have been dead for closing in my dad for like 16 years and my mom 14 or so and his parents kind of adopted me as like uh, mm. you know a son because my, my parents didn't live to see ninja sex party or any of this uh yeah. like music stuff and so i've been able to like i sent his mom videos of audrey all the time because she <sighs> like audrey is one living grandmother rachel's mom one living grandparent i should say and like dan's mom is my mom to, to an extent. And she's just the loveliest, most wonderful person. And every text I get from her is like this beacon of light. It's, they are such wonderful, wonderful people that, uh, I really do think of them as family at this point. God, my, my, uh, mom is very much the same way with like Vernon. My mom is just like his biggest hype man. And anytime he does anything, I sent it to her and she's just like, look at him. Oh, I'm so proud of him. Yeah. So did you talk to them while that you were there, Gene? I did. I was just talking to them the whole time. It was just like, I went to the concert with them and I had no idea. Cause like, well, like everybody else there was super young. So the, 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 the closest in age <laughs> to me was was Danny's parents. I'm 38. So, you know, like I was like, "Oh yeah, totally." And we were just talking and I just didn't realize that, that they they were that they were dim until like way later. It was just so much fun. I even took a picture That's with them. Awesome. So, I think that show was right before like our first maybe that was the second year we were really touring. But that was a it was a big show for us in uh in Silver Spring. And so Torp's parents also come to a bunch of shows. And it's pretty easy to spot the parents because they're the only people over 60 mm -hmm. in the crowd. I get that now. Yes, I understand that now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's the people who are like under 10 and over 60 that you can immediately be like, okay, wait, why is there a baby in the front row or whatever, you know? And, <laughs> and we've definitely had people bring babies or very young children to, to shows. And I always have sort of mixed feelings about it. 
I don't know. It doesn't affect us. I love babies, so it's uh, it's always fun. But twerps, <laughs> one time, Meowch's dad, we had a big show in Chicago, like our first real big show uh, at the Aragon. And Meowch's dad came back and he was just like having the time of his life, seeing his kid perform on stage. And it was it was so cute. This makes so much sense for for me. <laughs> I was yeah. um wait, we were in your place for was it uh, Christmas or New Year's? Christmas Eve. Oh, Christmas Eve. That was so nice, Brian. I, I really can't express how meaningful it was for you to have us over. Oh, it was lovely to have you guys over. But yeah, wasn't he uh, FaceTiming his dad who had just sent that big care package? Yep, including... Gene, do you know what Donair is? Donair? No, I don't. So I didn't know this either until I started uh, hanging out with East Coast Canadians. <laughs> so Donair... I, I, was, I was corrected on this. It's not Donair, like Donair Kebab, mm-hmm. but it is a form of that. And... Donair, take a like a almost like a tzatziki kind of cream sauce, but make it out of condensed milk so it's really fucking sweet, and then dump that on a bunch of like kebab, you know, shawarma type things. That's I'm East Coast Canadians. Like, tell me if I got that wrong. <laughs> but Miaucha's parents sent him a bunch of like Donair sauce, which you can now you know they now package it and ship it out of Canada. Basically, uh, the way he tells it, it was some, you know, years ago, some, I don't know where the person was from, Middle East type person moved to Halifax and was like, I need to get these white people on board with what I like and tweaked the flavors to make it so sweet that even the local Canadians would would like it. Yeah, he loves it. It seems absolutely repulsive to me, but, you know, won't yuck the yum. Oh, it's it's straight up disgusting. It's horrible. <laughs> yeah, like it, I, I, you, I don't want sweet stuff in that personally. It, it's really gross, and yeah, he loves sure. it. Meowch loves it more than more than anything. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Gene, what are your subs? All right, well, uh, I'm looking at the subs that I'm uh, subscribed to as a Washington Post because I still have control of the account for some reason. Um, <laughs> nice. So. The one I like is uh, I'm 14 and this is deep. If you've heard that. <laughs> <laughs> no. Oh, I haven't thought about that seven forever. That's great. <laughs> the top one right now is if, if they can type LOL without laughing, they can type I love you without loving you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm looking at this right now. This yeah. is so great. <laughs> I used to be jealous of Harry Potter for being able to talk to snakes, but it turns out I've been doing it for years. Got him! Well, I don't know why we have such a divide between Gen X and Gen Z. Gen X grew up reading books. Gen Z grew up reading comments. Read that again. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Uh, it's very much like r slash I am very smart. Pretty much. Pretty much. Yeah. So I think that's the one uh, that pops in, in my feed right now. Gene, what generation do you consider yourself? Are you a millennial? I am on the cusp because I was born in 1981. So depending yeah. on how you define it, I could either be at the very late end of Gen X or I could be among yeah. the first millennials. Uh, but I'm 38. Uh, I I feel like I'm in between because I uh, feel as forlorn as a Gen X person. Mm-hmm. Um, and, I'm about, <laughs> and I'm about as angry and agitated as millennial. So there's yeah. that. So. See, I feel ex- literally exactly the same way. And I'm seven years older than you are. Gen X are the people who are like 10 years older than me is the way I feel like the Ben Stiller types. Yeah. Uh, and, but I, so I don't feel a part of that, but I also definitely don't feel a part of millennial, but I feel exactly the same way. Like I'm in this kind of interstitial period born between it's like 75 and 85. That is because I'm born in 75. 
that that is whatever that you know transitional group is between Gen X and millennials. Yeah, we're technically called the Oregon Trail generation. <laughs> is that true? <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, yeah. Technically, we are called the, the like either Zennials or uh, like X Zennials or the Oregon Trail generation. So we remember encyclopedias. I was ordering uh, baseball cards on eBay 15. So like, <laughs> like, like yeah. I, I was just starting to do that. Um, and I was also a, a chat moderator for like a Java based uh, chat room. And I was like, oh, like, nice. And I was playing mud. So like, like multi-user yep. dungeons. So, so, so did you have a, a dial-up modem? I did have a dial-up modem. And uh, but for a while throughout my high school career, I did not have even a computer. So I would always go to the college library after school. Oh, and, nice. Like, chat and like you know play these games and like have cyber sex or whatever like you know <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. Like, yeah you know like, like i was cybering back then in, in like 96 97 i'm you know the, like 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 all of this shit about like sending nude selfies and everything like that i was trying to do but we didn't have cameras back then so you know. <laughs> <laughs> so it was just a bunch of asking it was just asking it's just like yeah this is how long it is you know it's like, like, <laughs> It was like I was talking to a guy who's slightly older than me, and he was like, you know, trying to sex on a flip phone. <laughs> yeah. Woof. It's like, let me hit this button three times to get there. Yeah. I remember I was dating a girl in like, the, it was like probably, it must have been 2003, 2004, probably 2004. And it was like before everyone was texting, but just on that cusp. You know, I talked to her and she's like, I'm kind of upset you haven't responded to any of my texts, which she was like, I was sent you these like sexy texts. And I was like, I'm sorry, I, I haven't turned that on on my phone yet. It was like this total sexting fail. Yeah. So she had to read me the text that she sent is the point. And it was oh, like man. the absolute least sexy thing ever because when you read those things you're like the idea of having having to read your sexy texts out loud because the person didn't receive them is fucking <laughs> it's horrifying yeah That's terrible it's really awful i used to have email sex too because we would just send each other like these really steamy emails like describing uh -huh. like whatever we're doing but like that was yeah that was like the best we had back then it's ancient times you know no kids these days they got their snapchats and their 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 Snapchat. They're Zencast. Yeah. Yeah, and they're Zencasting, you know. <laughs> just just cybering on Zoom. I must imagine that that must be happening. I don't know. It's gotta, well, I did see I did see a murmur of like Zoom orgy. What? <laughs> wait, wait, hold on. Describe a murmur of Zoom orgies. What okay. Layton, did you get invited to a Zoom orgy? <laughs> Listen, nobody's inviting me to any orgy <laughs> irl or online it's not happening yeah. um hold on i gotta google zoom orgy zoom band orgies <laughs> zoom band orgies here's how sex parties and orgy seekers are getting around it don't call it an orgy like it's not that hard like this is our unsexy science meeting this adult friend finder launches its own version of zoom for orgies adult friend finder <laughs> Virtual sex parties offer escape from isolation during COVID-19. Sex club hosts digital orgy on Zoom with 100 horny masked members. Oh. Also, they totally used members on purpose in that. What a nightmare. That's interesting. Yeah. Well, DC has uh, these these sex these ma sex mask parties. Right. Famously, yeah. Oh, some eyes wide shut shit. 
It literally is ex- like almost exactly like that, dude. Like I've 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 been to one of them, so it was it was extremely. Was it weird? Like how was it? It was super weird. Like I went by myself, and 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 you had to dress up like like it's like a black tie event. So like I brought my tux and I brought my mask there. Oh my god! Um, and so, but I wear glasses and I don't wear contacts because <laughs> I I don't like like the idea of like putting stuff into my eye contacts and I can't get used to it. Yeah, they're terrible. So I wear glasses. So here, here was I, this dork in a, in an orgy, uh, uh, wearing wearing a fucking mask over my glasses. And then so I, you know, I'm not saying what the party is. So I'm not like identifying anybody. But I went to the coordinator of of this so called orgy. Um, this motherfucker looks like Geraldo, you know, like like with uh, like a twirly mustache and everything like really gaunt and skinny and he was walking around carrying a knife and like spanking, spanking people's butts and like licking the knife too <laughs> <laughs> so so he looked friendly so i went up to him and i, and I said hey uh th- th- this is a great party thanks so much for the invite uh i'm wearing glasses it's really uncomfortable can i take yeah. my mask off and he was like oh sure it's only for for entry so if you whatever you feel comfortable with you can do whatever you want Oh, so I okay. Just, uh, so I just took my mask off. Surprising to me, but yeah. Yeah, and I was fine, and I ordered a drink and just kept watching, <laughs> I guess. So yeah. yeah. What was your mask of choice? It was like a little. I ordered on Amazon because I'm not like I don't have masks on handy, like on hand to like for for the orgies. So I had to like order one like like quick style before before I went there. It was just like covers yeah. like half my face because I thought that that would be like comfortable yeah. for my glasses and it. Like clearly wasn't. So, you know, I just look like an idiot with my glasses <laughs> popping out at the bottom, like half or whatever. Layton, what mask would you wear to uh, a fancy orgy? <laughs> to a fancy orgy? I mean... Yes. Yeah, yeah. A black tie. Black tie. Oh, God. Um, I, I'm trying to, like, not go for an obvious horror thing because there are just so many options there. And I literally own a ghost face mask. I was going to say, that's that would have been my guess. Yeah, yeah, I know. I know. Just use that. Just use that. And that's fine. Yeah, you know, fuck it. Go for that. I'll just wear my Halloween costume, which was pretty much just sexy ghost face anyway. Like, yeah, I'll, I'll go towards the friendly man with the knife. <laughs> <laughs> well, you would just show up as Ninja Brian, wouldn't you? You know what? Yes, I actually have resisted doing that as a Halloween costume for fucking 11 <laughs> years now because, you know, this <laughs> is such a stupid thing to say. That's ju- that's that's my work. So I don't want to bring the work out. Separation of church and state. On Halloween. Okay, both of you, what's your favorite Halloween costume you've ever done? This is an easy one. For about three years, from seventh, eighth, and ninth grade, I went as Rasputin <laughs> because I was obsessed with like early 20th century, uh, like Romanov period Russian history, the Nicholas and Alexandra type stuff. And yeah, I, I got a monk's robe and a big old beard, and I went as Rasputin. Awesome. This is, again, on, on today's edition of information, I find 0% surprising. <laughs> what about Eugene? You would make a good Rasputin. For me, uh, I don't really do like Halloween costumes, but there was a, a good stretch of a few years where I tried the whole like topical uh, Halloween costume thing, which yeah. is problematic for many reasons. I definitely don't do that anymore, right? Right, um, right, right. So I don't think this was problematic, but I'm going to say it anyways. Uh, remember, the, remember when all the Chilean miners were were trapped yes. in the mine? Of course, yeah. There was like 42 of them or whatever. Um, yeah, yeah. And then, you know, they all got out and I, like right. I had waited until like I made sure that they were all alive 
until I decided, that, okay, that's going to be my costume. So I showed up to the party in like a white shirt, uh, a long sleeve green like shirt and a helmet, no makeup or anything. I was just me, but like, like a, as a minor. And I just basically walked around the party uh, being completely stoked to be alive. <laughs> that's, that's I think it. that's great. I don't think yeah. that's problematic. They all got out. You're happy to be alive. That's awesome. Yeah, that's a celebration of life. It was a celebration of life. Like like these guys made it. Like I love them. Like they they were heroes to me. So that was it. And then the next year, Steve Jobs died. So four days later, I right. dressed up as Steve Jobs. <laughs> you got to be so. Steve Jobs. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Right. I think this was on like Comedy Bang Bang or something like that. One of my favorite jokes I've ever heard, and I can't remember who told it, was. Uh, it was right after Michael Jackson died, and uh, and whoever said this said the joke was, uh, you know, Michael Michael Jackson uh, recently died of uh, of a heart attack, and four days later, Weird Al Yankovic died of a fart attack. Has <laughs> <laughs> stayed with me. Oh, that's the stuff right there. Yeah, Layton, favorite Halloween costume. For like a childhood one, I was a serial killer one year, but C-E-R-E-A-L. Um, I, I think I posted okay, this yep. picture on Twitter. So I was a big old like cardboard box that I designed to be like, you know, a fake serial for serial killers that had like Mike Myers and uh, Jason and Freddie on it. And then I made a glove like the Freddie glove, but instead of knives, it was spoons. Oh, wow. Cool. I, I've always been on that bullshit. But more recently when I had, you know, my choppy little baby bangs, I was Rosemary from Rosemary's Baby. <laughs> yeah. I had like a vintage nightgown and everything oh i bet that was awesome that was great that's a great idea for a costume yeah doing the big old twiggy makeup was like great you could get a bunch of people to go as the people in the like the old people in the apartment building oh totally i basically did it to sit at home but i bought like a little baby doll and i was gonna get like a baby bjorn and put it in front of me and like paint horns on the doll <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Well, I didn't dress up in Halloween because like I dressed up for Halloween the first time in first grade and I feel like I knocked that out of the park when I was 6 years old cuz uh -huh. I was I was simply a zombie cowboy to my favorite things, right? Yeah. yeah. And I was like <laughs> what else do I need to even be? That's it. Like that was the peak. That was it. I and don't need to be anything else. Honestly, so. six years old is peak Halloween anyway. Seriously. Exactly. It's like, I got a dinosaur costume on. Let's fucking party. And this is, again, 0% surprising information. I was like four-ish, and I was in my dinosaur costume, and we were going trick-or-treating, and we were next door. And my neighbor runs out <laughs> with a chainsaw, <laughs> like a real chainsaw that just didn't have <laughs> really? the blade on it. And I, I was done. That, there was no Halloween that year because it was the first thing that happened. And I was just like inconsolable because a man came running at me with a chainsaw. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> uh, that doesn't explain my entire personality or anything. <laughs> All right. Why don't we move on now to answering the questions? Answering your question. Answering your question. So this one is from Kira, she, her. What are some obscure or unpopular games you played growing up that you love or that give you a ton of nostalgia? One of her answers for this was the PS1 game, 102 Dalmatians, presumably based on the movie, which is fucking great. Oh, I remember that game. Oh, my God. I'm fascinated by the like movie tie-in games that are just oh, fucking yeah. shit. I remember, and I think I said this yesterday, but you know, I didn't have friends who played video games growing up, and so my parents would just buy the things that seemed relevant. So like, I had all of the Harry Potter tie-in games, which are just so bad 
all of them are just the fucking worst. Okay, now I need to look up one or two nominations. Uh, PS One. Oh my god. Yeah, no, it was like a spiral game, basically. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah. The polygons of Cruella Deville's cheeks. <laughs> <laughs> that's the episode title by the way oh wow now i'm looking at yeah that's horrifying whoa that is terrible you know who she looks like she looks like that woman uh that, that went viral for saying is this your property is this your property oh yeah just like yesterday or whatever yeah yeah with the bad botox lifts yeah it's like you're like two days or whatever yeah totally wait oh it has a subtitle Kira, that's a great uh, title. Good job. <laughs> yeah. Was it, is it Puppies to the Rescue? Is that what it is? Uh, yeah. 102 Dalmatians. Yeah. That was a good movie. I love PS1 aesthetics. I don't think I've ever seen it. I think I've only seen... I have never seen the original 100 Dalmatians. No, I'm thinking of uh, Lady and the Tramp. Never mind. I, I never saw Lady and the Tramp, and I only ever had seen Lady and the Tramp 2. <laughs> that's so interesting. I didn't know there was a sequel, like a direct-to-video sequel kind of thing. Yeah. They had a lot of direct-to-video sequels. There was like a Tarzan, too. I was like a weird connoisseur of the, the shitty sequels. They were kind of good, and like they expanded the lore. So if you're like really, really into the Disney lore of the, those characters, like Aladdin 2 was all, like, all about like Jafar just coming back as, a, as an all-powerful genie. I really liked that one, yeah. Wait, didn't that have like giant Jafar or some shit? It did, it did. <laughs> like Jafar like, came, came back like Thanos, you know? It was crazy. <laughs> it's always amazing when they just like move on with like different person like different actors and it's just like the same character you know like (laughs) i feel like i feel like the last big movie that did that was the batman trilogy by nolan yes so with maggie gyllenhaal right yeah maggie gyllenhaal yeah i just rewatched those and can't say I liked him very much the second time around. There's definitely a lot of holes in them. Yeah, dude, that's exactly the thing. Like, there are so many. I mean, Dark Knight is great in so many ways, mm-hmm. the the middle one. But like, the plot holes are just insane. Like, none of it hangs together. Yeah, yeah. When I was in high school, my like PS3 username. Uh, you, you know the scene with um, is it is it Killian Murphy? How do you say it? I think it's Killian Murphy. Yeah, the the scarecrow. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> where he's just hamming it up and is like, it's the Batman. Where like that was just my username <laughs> for everything. It's underscore the Batman. <laughs> <laughs> well, I played Final Fantasy VII uh, uh, calling Cloud Batman. So it was extremely hilarious. <laughs> That's awesome. Everybody in the Final Fantasy VII universe was just freaking out about Batman. So I love it. <laughs> uh, all right, obscure games. Let, let's answer the uh, question. Do you guys have a, a title that comes to mind? I certainly have not thought about this before. Four within the past 24 hours. <laughs> Got to really rack my brain on this one. Hmm. I happen to have two games ready, actually. Oh, wonderful. You were prepared. <laughs> well, please, Gene, go ahead. Uh, the game that I think no one really talks about and is completely underrated is for the Nintendo, and it was called River City Ransom. It was a brawler that, for me, was like, if you remember playing Grand Theft Auto 3 and you were like, holy shit, like, you can just do anything in this game. This was like mind-blowing this was the game for me river city ransom was a a brawler like double dragon or streets of rage with like really really chibi tiny little like buff guys running around Uh you're looking for your girlfriend and you can do things like go into a restaurant and eat food or go to the bathhouse take a dip in a sauna and talk to other people and it was like an rpg where you can do action and i just loved it and it was just like for me, every good game is a game that kind of reminds me of how I felt when I played River City Ransom. So <laughs> that's awesome. You know what? I, I, I was being all snarky and shit, like saying that I had two, but I actually forgot my second one. So that's that's cool. So I'm gonna go with uh, some cabinet games from my youth. 
there was this little mm-hmm. restaurant in Pompton Lakes, New Jersey, town I grew up in, that it was like it's like a bar slash restaurant, like real casual kind of things. And they always had one cabinet game. And for a period of about eight years, it was Circus Charlie, where you're a circus clown and you have to do things like jump through hoops and jump over lions and do a tightrope walk and things like that. And the real, the amazing part about this game was it was one of those games from the start, you could pick what level you wanted to play it at. Like it had six different levels you could start with and you could go super easy, medium or hard. Oh, accessibility options. Love it. Yeah, you put in your quarter and then it was just right there. And to a very real extent, grew up playing uh, Circus Charlie. You know, it was that era of the 80s. And so every little restaurant in town had uh, its own cabinet. It was a small town. They mostly only had one. So Tony's Pizza had Karate Champ, which... Yeah. Uh, do you get it's like I remember Karate Champ. You do or don't? I played Karate Champ. Yeah, for sure. Dude, I loved Karate Champ. Like with the two joystick. It's like the first fighting game. Yeah. Yes, totally. Or it was, it was buttons, right? It wasn't two joysticks. It was buttons like high kick, middle kick, low kick, high punch, middle punch, low punch. Yeah, I just remember being obsessed with Karate Champ and Circus Charlie. So the other cabinet game I'm going to put in here, which I feel like is more popular than Circus Charlie, is Road Blasters. Do you guys ever play Road Blasters? No, I don't remember that one. No. So it's kind of a, it's a driving game, except you have uh, like a gun on the top of your car that shoots these kind of like very uh, Nerf ball type things out of the top of it. And you got to, you know, just navigate the road and then shoot other cars and drive around. And it's another game, actually, that I didn't even think about this, where you could pick the difficulty level before you started. And these were two like huge cabinet games of my youth. And I don't think... I'm sure there's like MAME or something you can play it on now, but I haven't seen any of them since I was like 13 or something. Yeah. Oh, and now I remember my other game. Uh, it was an Xbox game for Xbox original, uh, Otogi. I'm a huge fan of the From Software games, Demon, Demon Souls, Dark Souls, Bloodborne. Um, yep. But before they made all those games, they were making a bunch of weird, obscure uh, uh, action titles. And one of them was Otogi. Uh, it's a beautiful a uh, mythological Japanese character action game, uh, kind of like Devil May Cry uh, in the same vein. Uh, uh-huh. It was just so cool because the visuals were beautiful. You would have like these cool samurai fights and some moonlit light. The last boss was a nine-tailed fox that you fly around in uh, <laughs> and, and like blast again. Like, I, like I'm happy to mention that again because that shit was fucking awesome so that's awesome from software if you're listening to late night with uh, brian wecht uh please revisit <laughs> the otogi franchise that you just totally left behind so i love it i want to get to your answer Leighton, real quick but before i forget the cabinet thing reminded me gene have you ever been to to fun spot in new hampshire no oh no i've i've, I've heard about it because it's legendary yeah yeah of course king of kong right and, and any yeah yeah exactly gamer it's got the with the video game museum, I believe they I'll, call it. I would love cap- to visit there someday, yeah. Dude, it is for, like, for me, it is absolute heaven. It has all the weird 70s games, like the Pong era stuff. Fire Truck. Have you ever seen Fire Truck? No. <laughs> it's a cabinet game where someone controls the front of the fire truck, and then someone else stands behind them with another wheel and controls the other part of the fire truck. Well. Late, you you gotta look. It's it's like it's real <laughs> janky graphics, black and white. It sucks. It's not fun. Like there's no way this game is fun for anybody. But thank you for reminding me about Fun Spot because I forgot that that was actually a life goal of mine. I need to go there someday, and I'm in oh. the East Coast. So I gotta go. So yeah, you're not far. I, I I just love huge arcades like that. Like it's the 
best shit. Actually, you know what? Speaking of cabinets, uh, y'all into pinball? Not really. I used to be. Interesting. I feel like I've never gotten it. I feel like there's a strategy there that I just don't understand. It's all about ball control, baby. (laughs) Yes, which I have none of, famously. (laughs) (laughs) Gene, do you have a favorite pinball table? Actually, uh, my favorite pinball game of all time is actually Pokemon Pinball for the Game Boy. Um, really? Really? Yeah. I didn't even know that existed. I gotta look it, came, it came with a little rumble pack, um, and oh. uh, it was awesome. And I still have it, and it still fucking works. Um, that's so, amazing. Um, yeah, that, that, that's been my favorite. But uh, back then, I definitely loved the Terminator 2 uh, cabinet because, uh, mm. you know, ter- T2 – like I fucking voted for Arnold Schwarzenegger just because you, you know, like like when I lived in California, and I was yeah. like, he's Arnold, whatever, you know, he should be the governor, you know, and yeah, uh, because so, you know, I was totally just a, a boy that was just the Arnold Schwarzenegger stuff. So I have fond memories of the Terminator Two cabinet. I've talked about this on the show before, but I have because I graduated from UC San Diego for grad school. I have Arnold Schwarzenegger's signature on my doctorate. Because he was governor of California. That's incredible. <laughs> wow. It's like a bunch of like the, like the chancellor of the University of California, whatever. And then at the bottom, Arnold Schwarzenegger, governor of California. And it's fucking awesome. Oh, my God. Brian, people already have a hard enough time believing in your PhD. And the fact that like it's like signed by <laughs> fucking Arnold Schwarzenegger is like so weird. <laughs> it's so funny. <laughs> Layton, what's yours? I will say pinball first. I'm a big pinball person. And one of the things that I've been missing the most during Q is just being able to go get day drunk at the arcade near me and just camp on the Twilight Zone pinball table because mine's a toss up between Adam's family and Twilight Zone. I also really love the um, Adam's family. What is it? A creature from the Black Lagoon that's all like drive-in theater themed. I remember the Adam's family one too. It's so fucking good. I, I, I love that table. My dad and I used to play it. The only time I've ever had somebody give me their number was because there was a woman. I Usually I go and I camp on the Twilight Zone table and there was a really beautiful older woman in a blazer who was just on it. And the guy was fixing the pinball table next to her and she was like asking him about the innards and I was kind of hovering there. And then later, like we, she started talking to me because I'm sure she knew I was staring at her the entire time. And uh, then I was too afraid to text her. Anyway, <laughs> pinball, it's great. Uh, but my my favorite like obscure game is probably the Her Interactive Nancy Drew point and click adventure games for PC. They yes. were like, mm-hmm. I think they still make them. But yeah, when Audrey's old enough, I bet she would like them. I mean, they certainly, they look like dog shit but i i just love those so much that's like the the games that got me into games i would wake up before school and play them with my dad and uh danger on deception island where you're investigating whales <laughs> it's great yeah well i used to play the carmen san diego games remember those oh yeah yeah i never played those but i'm assuming it's very similar very similar yeah you do you remember the early ones where they came with like was like an almanac or something like they came with a reference work you have to actually read yes <laughs> i remember when they came out with wear and time i was like what the fuck is going on right now? oh yeah yeah so exciting yeah those games are great also uh, i mentioned this yesterday but uh the nintendo ds tamagotchi corner shop games were really cute because it was just like here's really really sweet like hand-drawn looking tamagotchi art and you can make little takayaki or clean a creature's teeth and it's just a bunch of fun like WarioWare kind of mini games mm-hmm. Cool. All right. Uh, let's move on to another question. Hey, Leighton Brian, and super cool and very mysterious guest. I'm Ava, and I use she, her pronouns. I really like video games as a storytelling medium and as an artistic outlet. I'm an artist and a writer, and I do really enjoy that video games can bring the best of both of those worlds. However, I suck hot balls, all caps, at playing them. 
And the fact that my brother is both incredibly intense about games and also way better at them than me makes me feel really bad. He constantly tries to dictate how I play a game to the point that it sucks the enjoyment out of it. I know he's just trying to interact with me about something we both enjoy, and I don't know if he knows he's causing me harm, but I've tried telling him about this a few times to no change. Any advice on how to deal with this? Thanks so much, and I hope you guys stay safe. Yeah, that's a tough one. I guess uh, what I would say is I would try to directly address a brother. Please, Ava, play this back to your brother. Dude, mm-hmm. <laughs> I've been there before. I was a friend uh, where I was always backseat gaming and I would watch my friend like struggle with like certain games, especially first person shooters. He was really bad at them. And I would just kind of like be like, no, dude, dude, no, don't do that, dude. And like it just came instinctually, right? I, I, I get it. I get it. Um, but you sound like a total ass, you know? Um, and my friend told me that. He, he eventually told me, he was like, dude, like, can you just stop? Because like, it, it's really, really fucking up my time. And I got it. That's a good friend. Yeah, yeah, I got it. I was like, dude, I'm, I'm really sorry. I realized I keep doing this. So, you know, Ava's brother, you just got to realize that you're just doing this. It's cool that you want to hang out with your sister and you, you want to play games with her. But just let her do it on her own time. And don't backseat game because that sucks. Everyone hates it. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. Yeah, it's like if you're reading a book and somebody comes up behind you and is like, why are you reading so slow? Why are you reading so fast? Turn the page. (laughs) Do you want discussion questions? Fuck you. No, go that way. Like, no, that's not how that works. Like, as a fellow video game sucker adder, I am a professional game developer who has made a successful and, you know, well critically received game. I'm not saying that to jerk myself off here, but like, you know, you don't have to be good at them to enjoy them. That's kind of the whole point. You're playing them to have fun and relax and chill out. Like, just like watching a movie, it's a passive thing. You can't be bad at watching a movie just because you're slightly more active with a video game doesn't mean that like it really matters if you're bad at it. Like, it was brother. Chill the fuck out. Go get a Gatorade or whatever. Go stand in the corner. Play your own shit. Go get your G fuel. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Fuck, we have to do the gamer fuel segment. Sorry, I just clicked the mic yelling. Fuck. Mostly because I want to hear the butt rock theme song. I'm going to write a gamer fuel butt rock theme song that I'm going to put in right here. Gamer fuel! All right, you heard it. That's what it was. Use that next time you need to juice up for for a hot gaming sesh. Listen to that. Uh, it'll it'll really get you in the mood. Yeah, and as uh, we we discussed this as a question of like, what's your go to gamer fuel? And I think the answer was unanimously water. Yeah. <laughs> Pretty much, we're 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 we are a very well hydrated trio. Yeah, I say not having had any water today and only having drank a Vietnamese iced coffee. I have not had water today. That's true. I have not had water today, and I need you. I need to go do that for sure. Some sometime. <laughs> There's something that's always stuck with me that uh, Jack Black once said about uh, what it's like to be in Tenacious D, like what they do after the show. And he was like, okay, so, you know, after we like, just like rock balls out on stage, I go back, I have a warm decaffeinated tea. I watch one of my favorite shows. He's like to, you know, to really rock your nuts off on stage, you kind of have to live like a 73 year old woman. That has really stuck with me because it's like, it's true. Like to, you got to save it for when you need it. And then the rest of the time, just chill out. That's very smart. I I, I hear that in activists today because it's like, okay, everyone yeah. going out and protesting, right? And like, 
like maybe this is their first time and it's like they want to just stop because it's exhausting right and it's like no don't quit just get some rest you know like you need to rest don't be going at a 10 all the time so there was some tweet maybe you guys saw that was going around today where someone was like you guys realize that activism is like 98% writing very precise emails and like calling people to make sure they're going to do what you ask them to do. And like this list of very boring things and like 2% showing up for protests. Yeah, it's a very sustained. It, it's not a sprint. It's a marathon. Yeah. Speaking of Jack Black, I was wondering what he's up to. And, you know, just I, I searched Jack Black 2020. He is fucking rocking a beard right now. He looks great. Oh, yeah. He's got a big one, right? Yeah, yeah. No, he's got his uh, uh, Jay Blazinski uh, uh, gaming channel on YouTube now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know. Wait, he has a gaming channel? Oh, yeah. yeah. Well, it's a mob gaming channel. He keeps saying that he's going to play games and he never does. So. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Tenaciously, they, that first album was so influential for me. Uh, I mean, you know, it's whatever that was, late 90s, early 2000s. I, I love it so much. To me, that's like the perfect them in Flight of the Concords, or like the perfect, and of course, Weird Al, the perfect blend of like amazing musicianship and really, really funny jokes. Man, the, the Flight of the Concords show is so fucking good. It's the best. <sighs> that uh, was my favorite in high school. That was just like, time and time again returning to that trying to learn the songs on ukulele and all that jazz yeah oh you played a ukulele huh yeah i mean i i played a lot in high school and i still have one and i'll noodle on it occasionally mm. but i'm not not super serious about it but you know it, it's fun sometimes you have a drink you're like i'm gonna learn some 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 uh elliot smith and be sad <laughs> <laughs> There's no purer form of Elliot Smith than ukulele, Elliot no, Smith. No, yeah, exactly, yeah. It's a status form. Of, it's a status form of Elliot Smith for sure. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Uh, Gene, you're a you're a guitarist too, right? I am. I am. I, I do play guitar. I I used to play uke too um, until I let my sister borrow it, and then she just gave it to her boyfriend, and then I just don't have one anymore. So, oh no! You know, uh, so I've completely forgotten how to play because it's really similar to guitar. It's just a different like note structure and chord structure. So yeah, yeah. Um, you just got to learn the, the scales and the notes again. Is that so? I know you have a, a lot of connection to to Hawaii. Like, is that part of that at all, or was that just a totally separate thing? Oh no, it was definitely part of that. You know, like every every uh, a woman a girl grows up in Hawaii to basically know hula. Like, I don't, I didn't know anyone who wasn't like really really good at hula. Um, uh-huh. So I figured, yeah, well, I might as well pick up the uke and just, just be that guy, you know, yeah. uh, <laughs> at, the, at, at the party, you know. So yeah, yeah, yeah. So I was. You know? Cool. That's awesome. Our, our producer Jarek is uh, is also uh, a Hawaiian, and oh uh, no shit. Yeah, I believe what uh, Jarek. I think I'm gonna get this wrong. I think he's from Maui. Yeah, more well, Maui works with you. Yeah, I, I could be. It might be Kauai. I can't remember. Hey, late night listeners. This is producer Jarek. You haven't heard from me yet, but I just wanted to interject that I am not Hawaiian and you can't really label people as Hawaiian just because they are from or born and raised in Hawaii out of respect to the native Hawaiians and the Hawaiian ethnicity, unless they're actually Hawaiian. And yes, the proper way to say it is Hawaii. Respectfully, I'm just Filipino who was born and raised in the state of Hawaii and was born and raised on the island of Kauai. Brian, what the fuck, dog? This whole time, I remember you were from Pompton Lakes, New Jersey. You know what? I was going to say, Ava's brother, I would love to be the dissenting voice uh, and make this a 2-1 opinion, but it's unanimous. 
stay the fuck out of her business and go do your own thing. Let her play games by herself however she wants to. So Exactly. Yes. One last thing. The most epic gamer move of all is being kind to your fellow gamers. I love it. Yes. All right. So this question is from Ryan. Uh, he, they pronouns. Hi, Leighton, Brian, and mystery guests. This is a question for all of you. What game or games have you played that had the biggest emotional impact on you? Uh, they could have made you cry, meant a lot to you in general, just made you feel a lot of things. For me, for Ryan, uh, the one writing this email, it would have to be The Beginner's Guide or Celeste. I, I love I love this question. I think, you know, it, it's true. Video games are emotional. And, you know, it's a testament to, to what they can do that I think most people probably have one game that really, at least one, that deeply affected them. Mm -hmm. And I feel like people don't talk about it that much, right? People talk, I'm sure, Gene, you're sick of, I don't even know if this is a debate anymore. I'm sure some idiots still question whether games are art. Of course they're art. Mm -hmm. What are you fucking talking about? But I'm sure this is a discussion that you've had ad infinitum uh, for tw for 20 years at least so. yeah right and yeah. It, i remember writing a, an angry paper where you're supposed to respond to something like that and mine was absolutely about that to me that's the same genre of question as are women funny it's like uh, of yeah. course are you fucking stupid like wh what's your problem here uh yes video games are art end of story not all video games but like yeah some of them are what i was gonna say was i i feel like people don't as much talk about the emotional impact of games. Yeah, and I, I think I think games are really starting to find their voice in being able to have that impact. You know, um, uh -huh. create creators like Layton out there. You know, yeah, for sure. Well, that's something. I mean, Layton, that's something that I always uh, loved about what you did with Dream Daddy is that you mm -hmm. really mm -hmm. like packed it full of honest emotion, which I know was very deliberate on your guys part right and inspired by dragon dragon age apparently right is that what you're saying thank you yeah yeah well we, we've skipped ahead to what my answer to this question is I'll, I'll do mine first because it's a silly answer um games don't make me cry i don't have like a strong emotional reaction to games or anything really because i'm dead inside but uh, the dragon age games are pretty much the only ones that i've had like extensive engagement with beyond playtime and so yes stream daddy is like big time based on those because we wanted to foster engagement beyond playtime because that's how you like have an active fandom and stuff you give the people the pieces to do whatever they want with it and then they run with it anyway but but uh, the biggest emotional impact on me has been the dragon age games for horny reasons not <laughs> because they're <laughs> deeply emotional it's just like horny is an emotion too you can feel horny oh yeah <laughs> So yeah, it's it's just like, you know, romance paths in those games. Mwah, perfect. Just to interrupt real quick, that is actually an old NSP tweet, which was having a very emotional day if horny is an emotion. <laughs> and so yes, I agree. Horny is an emotion. Yeah. And I actually, um, my lovely, lovely friend Arden, who I love to death, uh, is friends with Mike Laidlaw. And so he did a panel at GDC and Arden introduced me to him and he immediately, I was just like, I love Dragon Age. Thank you so much. And he was like, Oh, you made Dream Daddy. I I love that game. Uh, I love that genuine wrestle boy. And I was like, this is fucking wow. insane, dude. That's awesome. This is like the highest possible compliment. <laughs> That's crazy. I can't believe that happened to you. That's awesome. Yeah, it it was one of the most delightful, like I don't know, weird surreal gaming moments that I've had. Anyway, um, all all of the, Dragon Age is great. I'm not a big Inquisition fan. That one just doesn't hit me at the right angle. But two and Origins, oof, that's the stuff. Yeah. Uh, what about you, Gene? There's only two games that have made me cry, but the game that affected me the most emotionally, uh, and I didn't have this answer yesterday, so I can have it now. It's actually Metal Gear Solid 2 Sons of Liberty, uh, completely about the ending, 
because the mm-hmm. ending is about like what you pass on or like like what your legacy will be. Forget about what the government tells you or like what like society tells you. Like what are you going to do to to pass on to the next generation? Mm-hmm. You know, if you understand the game and and all of this postmodernism subtext, that's all great. But for me, that final message of you know we're all going to be dead, and the only thing we're going to be left be leaving uh, is dust. So yeah. What kind of memes? Because it was really the first game to really reference what memes were. Is it, it? It referenced memes before memes became a thing. So it's amazing. So it, like it asks you, what memes are going to leave behind? What What are you going to pass on? So so that something is something that's really informed like what I do, uh, how I treat other people, and and how I do my work. It's such a callback to the original like Dawkins definition of meme. Yeah. Anyway. It's, it's, it's exactly the callback to the original selfish gene, uh, Richard Dawkins, you know, yeah. who's crazy, but, you know. Oh, well, don't even get me started on. He invented that term, so, you know. Yeah, if any of you are interested in learning about that, I have some talks on YouTube that are about that exact topic and the selfish gene and the origins of memes and how we use Stream Daddy to engineer memes. They're good. I am a... That's right. Yeah, you're an expert. I remember I, I heard that talk. I remember you referencing memes and, and, and all that. So, yeah, awesome. Hey. Thank you. So cool. And I guess the other two games were Journey, uh, the indie game by that game company. It's only a two-hour game. Uh, it just totally made me cry because of just how beautiful the music was and how lovely the visuals were and like what the message was about like the, the again, I, the, if, if you're just finding out now, I'm, I have very much an ongoing existential crisis. So anything that, that, that makes me question like, like why I'm even here uh, will definitely hit me extremely, extremely hard. Um, yeah. so journey did that. And then the last game is kind of cheating because no one's played it yet, but it's the last of us part two. I cried the most uh, out of, I think any pop art. I cried four times uh, th- throughout the wow. game. Uh, and one time I was sobbing so hard that I had to change my shirt. So, <laughs> uh, for me, uh, I, this is, it was an emotional point in a pretty non-emotional game. And uh, I'm going to say it's the the very end of Portal, the Still Alive. Oh, oh shit. Yeah, that song. The credits, that song, it's, you know, it's an evil computer singing mm-hmm. it, right? It's Gladys singing it. But it's the Jonathan Colton, uh, you know, famously Jonathan Colton wrote it. It was just an incredible songwriter. I mean, one of, like, really, I think one of the top, top, tops. And... There is something that is so affecting to me about the instrumentation and the delivery and just everything about that song. The way the melody transforms into the chorus is just wonderful. Yes. I mean, same with the ending of Portal 2, which is like one of my favorite games ever. I can't believe we haven't talked about Portal. And speaking of something that you're into for horny reasons, who <laughs> me creep for realizing I was attracted to women being like, why this evil robot make me feel weird? <laughs> She's super hot. Yeah, she really is. Totally. You know? <laughs> and uh, what's her name? Ellen McLean. Ooh. Yeah. And also with the still alive, there's something too about the that credit sequence with like the ASCII stuff that's happening as it rolls. It's just, to me, it's like one of the all time, and it's not even the ending of the game. It's the fucking credits, but it is perfect. And Same with the, the National Exile Vilify song. Like, whew. 
Oh, I don't know that one. Oh, yeah. It's part of the Portal 2 soundtrack. Also, Portal 2, fucking amazing soundtrack. I, um, so like for the cult, the secret cult ending of Dream Daddy, uh, we were working with Jesse Kale, who was our composer on the game. And we were like, okay, we need, we need this to be the biggest banger in the game. Like, this is very important to me. And we were like, we want Carpenter. We want like Portal 2 soundtrack. And I'm so, it's my favorite track of the game. It's so good because it totally nails it. That's awesome. Yeah, I, I have a confession, which is I, uh, I started Portal 2 and I got to one level. I couldn't, just solo, uh, story mode. And uh, I got to one level that I couldn't figure out and I walked away and that was years ago. <laughs> I haven't come back. So I've been meaning to like finish it, but I just, I just haven't gotten around to it. Was that one of the ones like when you're basically down an old aperture? I can't even, it's been so long, I can't even remember. It was a lot harder than Portal 1, that's for sure. I remember. Oh my God. I remember being stuck for sure a couple times too, so. Yeah, and generally speaking, I do have a general rule, which is I will not look up walkthroughs. I just won't do it. Really? Yep, I hate doing it. I feel like I'm betraying my core principles as a scientist. Ah, I get that. I literally can't play games without them. It's, it's, I'm, I'm, I'm stupid. I'm not stupid, but. It's, It's not stupid, it's just a choice, right? It's like how you like to play them or not. Uh, yeah but oh my god brian you would love the writing is like so strong the voice acting i mean stephen merchant like oh the bet i love him oh so good yeah i totally forgot he was in that game yeah (laughs) every time i've had a birthday party i've always called it the still alive uh, party because it was definitely influenced by that game and that song and you know everyone i invite nobody really understands it because these dumb parties were always (laughs) at at a club and, you know, like the, the step and repeat would say still alive and no one would understand the reference. And I'm like, yeah. I don't give a shit. Like, like, <laughs> this is my party, you know? So you have a still alive step and repeat. That's amazing, dude. Yeah, I, I, I did have that up there. So I love that. Oh, we're going to move on to what's popping. I can't do the bit because we already told Gene about it yesterday and I forgot to do it <laughs> when we recorded. So this is the true tragedy of that episode being lost to time yes. is that Brian forgot to do the shit what's popping themes. My favorite asshole bit. Oh, and it really, it's, it sparked joy, really, truly sparked joy for yeah. me. Yeah, it was, it was a good moment for you. Anyway, so here's the theme song for what's popping. <laughs> There it is. What's poppin'? What's poppin'? Layton, what's poppin'? It's sort of like a perspective what's poppin' because on, I was on, uh, Jory actually messaged me on Discord this morning because we generally just like go back and forth with horror stuff. But he sent me a link to a clip of um, Kurt Russell and John Carpenter doing the commentary track for The Thing. And the caption was like, this is just minutes of uh, John Carpenter and Kurt Russell laughing their asses off. <laughs> and so I, great. <laughs> I have to watch this commentary track. It was so fucking funny. I mean, they're just like losing their minds as, you know, we got the chest, <laughs> the chest scene, flamethrowers. And like, I haven't rewatched that movie in so long. It's it's a very special movie to me because um, the night, I'm sorry that we keep talking about Dream Daddy. I'm embarrassed about it. No, don't be. It's awesome. <laughs> Thank you. But the night that like basically we had the second delay and it wouldn't go up on Steam and we were like, well, we are the laughing stock. Our careers are over. This fucking sucks. <laughs> but we were taking the train to uh, San Diego the next morning and I was crashing on Vernon's couch and we got fun, and did laundry. And he was like, you've never seen the thing. And then we watched the thing. And then the next morning we woke up and it was like, uh, so how's it going? And Vernon was like, oh, it's the number one best-selling game on Steam globally. <laughs> and that was like, 
that weird liminal night of like chain smoking outside and just being so exhausted and nervous and then watching the thing and being like, oh, this is my new favorite movie. Like it's a very, that's, that's rarefied air right there. But yeah, I, I, I need to get my hands on that commentary track. That's so great. Man, I miss chain smoking. I quit smoking about a year and a half ago, uh, half ago too, but I still think about it every time. Congratulations. Yeah, it's, it's tough. I've been a smoker for 20 years. So, <laughs> Gene, what's popping with you? I am very happy uh, that my voice chat uh, has, an, uh, has an ongoing joke right now um, where uh, we're on a Discord and we basically, uh, you guys have played Red Dead Redemption 2? Have you guys played that? I haven't, no. <laughs> Oh, gosh. Okay. Well, maybe listeners will know about this, but the main character is Arthur Morgan. Um, and the leader of the of your cowboy gang is Dutch Vanderlyn. And the entire story, it, it's, the game is praised for like having this wonderful story. But the entire story is Dutch basically leading Arthur around. And Arthur is like being mildly skeptical about the shit that he has to do. And he just kind of does it anyways. And then like the entire gang is led to ruin. Spoiler alert, sorry. <laughs> so basically, uh, we just kind of act out like the the, the, the voices where Dutch were, were like, we're pretending that Dutch is bringing Arthur to like these really like, Speaking of orgies, like like imagine like <laughs> if Dutch would bring Arthur to an orgy and then Arthur would be like, oh, I don't know, Dutch. You said that this was going to be a bank robbery. <laughs> what is this, Dutch? And then Dutch will be like, like, God damn it, Arthur. You need to have faith. So, you know, <laughs> just, we just keep going back and forth, like coming up with like these wonderful, like outlandish scenarios for both of them to be in. That's there. so and, great. That's so funny. And it's been giving me life. That's it's, it's the only thing I'm holding on to. So. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Delightful. Brian. Yes. What's popping? Uh, what's popping with me is, uh, so I've been alter in reading. I've kind of been alternating very long form stuff with essay collections. Uh, I've actually been reading a lot during quarantine. Like I wake up early just to read, to make sure that I, a few years ago, I like stopped reading reading like maybe even it was a while ago now and i realized i had to make it like actively make it a part of my life so i started doing that again and then have started reading a lot more but i am currently reading a collection of essays by emily nussbaum who was the tv critic oh emily yeah yeah do you know her i love her i don't know her personally but i love her writing i love her writing she is so smart and uh and she's really funny I've loved her. Uh, she's a is or was. I'm not sure if she still is the TV critic for the New Yorker, and she has a collection of essays called "I Like to Watch." It's just everything she says. Is, I, I love the way she writes. Uh, she has some really interesting pieces, including the centerpiece of the book is, is a new essay. I don't think it's been published before about basically dealing with the artistic legacy of horrible men. You know the Louis mm -hmm. C.K. Woody Allen types. She's like a you know a Jewish New York person and grew up with Woody Allen as a central part of her personality, mm. and now has to reckon with what that means because he's you know very clearly guilty of a lot of horrible things. I thought that essay was very honest and and really well written and and has that interesting question of separating the art from the artist, which has been rehashed a million times. And very central to that essay also is Nanette, the Hannah Gadsby yeah. special, because that's a big part of what she deals with. And she talks a lot about the, you know, I hate Picasso. He's a monster kind of stuff. Yeah. She's so great because like I've, I, like, you know, I'm a gaming reporter. I would love to be the kind of writer that she is for like all different types of pop art. And you don't really see writing like that for video games. So, you know, like, yeah. I would like to, I would like to get there someday, you know? 
Totally. The most interesting one to me, not that I shouldn't even say the most interesting, they're all great, but she has uh, at least one essay, maybe even two, about how basically comparing uh, Sex in the City and The Sopranos and how The Sopranos, this very masculine, mm-hmm. you know, like prestige, the first like prestige drama uh, mm-hmm. really put HBO on the map. But Sex in the City, which preceded it, really should be up there with that same like level of prestige but is is not because it's dismissed as frivolous and mm-hmm. girly and and all these things and she has a very very vocal defense of why you know wh- well, you should not think about that as a guilty pleasure and to call it a guilty pleasure is essentially to dismiss it from uh the outset yeah to dismiss it from serious conversation yeah yeah she's also a hundred percent right she argues that the ending of Sex in the City, kind of where Carrie goes off with Big, I'm sure that's a sentence that all of our listeners anticipated me to say at some point, <laughs> betrayed kind of the core principles of, of the series. But she's like, up until then, it was, you know, really, really wonderful and important TV, like capital I important TV that gets dismissed because it's too feminine. And I think she's completely right. I think she's right too, and and I remember dismissing. I I distinctly remember dismissing. Me too. Sex in the, Absolutely. Sex in the city. Yep. I I did too. I did too. And then sooner or later, you just have to fucking realize maybe that's just not for me. You know, that's it. Yeah, and also like how it it really you know gave voice to a bunch of interesting character types that mm-hmm. weren't really present before. For a while, it did resist like super easy characterizations, that sort of thing. I I think it's. It is a show worth reevaluating. I've seen, especially for people who weren't into it. I've probably seen because you know my parents had HBO, and I would you know be watching it at four o'clock in the morning on home from being home from winter break or whatever. I've probably seen like thirty Sex in the City episodes twenty years ago or whatever, and I remember enjoying it, but also being kind of dismissive of it. And mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, it, this, this made me think I was just wrong. That being said. The movie Sex in the City 2 is is supposed to be one of the worst movies <laughs> ever made. It, like, kind of weirdly racist and just awful. I do remember that, everyone hating that one, yeah. Yeah. Uh, but who knows? Jokes from Sex in the City that did, did, did not even remotely age well, um, but that's really any show from 20 years ago. Oh, any show. Yeah, any, do, any show from, like, five years ago at this point. Yeah. I saw the pop up on Twitter of like 30 Rock is coming back in the most 30 Rock way possible. I was like, no, 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 yeah, no, yeah, no, yeah. no, 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 no. <laughs> They're doing like a special at the upfronts or something, right? It's, it's, Let it wow. die. Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes dead is better. <laughs> Leave it be. Um, but yeah, speaking of stuff that hasn't aged well, that's relatively recent. Yeah. Shall we move on to peaches and lemons? Yes, we shall. TLDR, peaches and lemons, good things or positive things or whatever. It's an exercise in gratitude. The other part that we'd normally do is a lemon, which is acknowledging like, you know, a thing that was kind of a bummer or whatever. But for now, world is a lemon. We're doing just peaches. So we will go around and we will each share three peaches. I just want to point out before we do that, I love the idea of an audio TLDR where the, <laughs> the, the part that's L is just simply not present. And I think that's great. I fully support that. <laughs> wow. I actually, I just got a text from my neighbor the moment you said that that says, hi, you have a big box down here, which means my gamer chair arrived. Nice. Oh, yes. Shit. Well, that's a peach. 
That's a peach. Yeah, it absolutely is. So I've been I've had this shitty office chair that I bought when I first moved here. And as like I don't know why this happens. Maybe it's because I sit like a freak, but with every <laughs> single chair I've ever had, one of the arms falls off and then I have to zip tie it back on. But now that means that I constantly am like scratching and cutting myself on the like broken edges of the zip tie. Oh, that's very gamer. Very gamer. Oh, super gamer. Um, and I was like, you know what? I want the pink gamer chair of my dreams. And so pink gamer chair of my dreams is downstairs. I'm actually looking at that one lately. Probably the same one. I want the pink one. Yeah. Yeah, it's like pink and white. It's really cute. Yeah, the, the pink and white one. Yeah. It has like a little lumbar pillow. Like it's they're all the knockoff DX racers. Oh my god. Mm-hmm. Guys, we should all get matching gamer chairs. Oh my god, yeah. yeah let's just all get the pink ones. Let's just all I'm get into it. it. Yes. Yeah. But yeah, I'm I'm just trying to get like my desk set up is almost entirely pink. I'm waiting on a big pink desk mat. Like this is gonna really, you know, I have my big pink CRT, I have my Furbies, I have my Gundams, like you have your little wire too. Yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, okay, yeah. Second peach. While we're going on, this was one of the peaches that I listed yesterday, you know, mechanical keyboard freak, et cetera. But I, I picked up one of those expensive, like cool metal connector that is literally useless. It does nothing other than make it more expensive. But I picked up a really cool wire for my ErgoDox and it, I just stare at it all day while I work and I love it. Third peach is, so like last week, every night I was streaming Dead by Daylight and raising money through Tiltify for Black Girls Code, which is a nonprofit, which is exactly what it says on the tin. It helps raise money to provide education and resources for young Black girls who want to get into coding because, you know, obviously very underrepresented in the STEM field. Love Black Girls Code. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, they're awesome. Yeah. Yeah, right. They're amazing people. Um, But my initial goal was $500. And by the end of the week, I mean, we blew past that in like 20 minutes. But by the end of the week, we had raised $3,000. And so I'm just like, That's really amazing. pleased about that. And like, super proud of everybody in my stream chat, who I've, I've just got like a nice little community there. And it's, it's, I'm really pleased that people actually give a shit and want to watch, so <laughs> watch me swear and talk about thinking Ghostface from Dead by Daylight is sexy, whatever, this is a whole other thing. So that's my third peach. Congratulations. Well, anyone who has a healthy online community, you can blame the or thank the person who's uh, in charge of it. So, you know, uh, as a former community manager myself, you know, so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Gene, what are your features? On Friday, I had uh, the biggest traffic day of my life. Like hundreds of thousands of people read my take on PlayStation 5 and my uh, piece on The Last of Us Part 2 which was great because I was having kind of a slow month and I was like, oh, this might be my, my slowest month ever. And then boom, like I immediately had the best traffic day in one day uh, out of the whole year. And I've been having a great year. So I love it. it's kind of why I, I was having a hard time focusing today because I was like, I did that shit like three days ago. Why do I have to do, <laughs> why do, I have to do shit now? You know, Gene, are, are you the kind of person, and this is always, this is the way I am, like you have this like, some some amazing personal thing happens and an hour later you're like all right i don't know what i'm gonna do now that's like, that, so that's the plight of the journalist because like every time we do something like like it's immediately like invalidated or old by the next day there's an old uh, adage that, that's not like every editor's desk i'm fucking tired of seeing it but it's like you did great work today what are you gonna do for me tomorrow and it's like yep. fuck off man but, yeah, you know, <laughs> before I was like, oh, my God, yes, like this is my calling. And now I'm just like, fuck you, man. Like, <laughs> <laughs> but I had a great Friday. So I'm happy about that. And I'm, I'm really great. glad that uh, I can do that. Yeah, congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. My second peach, I finally uh, nailed a copy of Ring Fit Adventure for this Nintendo Switch. Um, I saw you tweet about that today. I saw it. That's amazing. 
a shout out to the Twitter account Wario64 for uh, letting me know about deal. Or it wasn't even a deal; it was just available, and so I just bought it for eighty bucks. Great. So I haven't been getting a lot of exercise, and the only thing I think that that will get me to exercise is uh, a promise of leveling up stats in a video game. So I'm gonna do that. So it's so great. Get a little exercise. Yeah, I, I got a rare game, you know, so that's fun. <laughs> because I think the game was actually sold out everywhere in China because, like, like everyone in China is like locked in and like. There's a lot of older people locked in their homes and Ring Fit Adventure would be perfect for them to get some exercise, you know. And as I'm entering my older age, I think a Ring Fit Adventure would be a good for me too. I love it, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Gosh, I don't know what my third peach is. Oh yeah, that, uh, I'm really happy to have found a really good uh, gaming community uh, with the blogging site Black Nerd Problems. Um, every Friday we're doing uh, a Twitch stream Afro Samurai Showdown where it's just a bunch of us uh, just playing uh, games together. Uh, I used to be a huge part of the fighting game community. I used to be really into like Street Fighter and Samurai Showdown. Um, not anymore, but it was really fun to learn again and just play. And it was just a complete blast. We're not doing it this Friday because they're going to do a Last of Us 2 stream. But if you want to check out twitch.tv slash Black Nerd Problems, I'm going to be there Saturday. And I promise you, it's it's so fucking hilarious. Like, like you will die laughing. So that's awesome. Hell yeah. Cool. Uh, right. First of all, this is a big one. The Supreme Court decision yesterday extending workplace protections to gay and trans people is a really fucking big deal. And it's so rare, I feel like, to get good news out of the Supreme Court these days that that one, I was just kind of smiling all day about it. It really felt like unexpected good news, which in a big way, which seems to not really happen anymore. So yeah, <laughs> yeah. that was a that was a big one. My friend Parker Marlowe tweeted, uh, you know, I don't know how to process good news anymore. And I was like, yeah, that's true. I don't know what to do with this information. I'm sorry. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Like all the good news are like these, you know, kind of little personal, like they all like these peach things that we're, we're talking about. Yeah. And it seems so rare to have like nationwide good news. Exactly. It's like, where's the thing for me to get mad about? I need to get angry about something. I'm like, no. Yep. Oh, okay. Well, all right. Okay, second peach is a little bit of backstory here. Uh, okay, so two of Audrey's favorite things are the Mario universe and space. And she is also, she loves, uh, you know, the, the big three Mario princesses, Daisy Peach, Rosalina. And, you know, really the only Mario game she's played, well, she's played Mario Kart 8 and an Odyssey. We play together, although she's playing on her own right now, which is really fun and cute. You're not vaccine gaming with Audrey? <laughs> no, I'm not. Uh, I, I Well, I try. I Jump harder. Oh, my God. It's like. Do the uh, triple jump. Yeah, it's uh, it, like in, in Stardew Valley. That's that's the most frustrating one because it's like there's no right way to play the game. I get there's no right way to play the game. But I'm just like, Audrey, go pick. Just pick up the truffle. Pick up the truffle. <laughs> go get Go get the truffle. You put it. Okay. You're not. Okay. You got to touch the pig to get a heart. Like, okay. Um <laughs> So that one is very frustrating. I said this yesterday. I'll say it again. I finally understood what it must be like to be a Game Grumps fan when I watch her play video games because it is so frustrating <laughs> that like it's I, I, I'd never been mad watching someone play a video game before. And it was my own daughter, my little six year old girl. And uh, it was I was getting so agitated. I, and then I had this like lightning bolt of like, wait a minute, this is this is what people must be like uh, people must feel like when they're when they're watching game grumps sometimes i've seen all these comments complaining about it yeah. I, i've never gotten it i'm like who cares how people play games whatever it doesn't matter 
it's a comedy show. Brian, I look forward to your your upcoming posts on r slash Audrey Games. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that that anger, get it out. But okay, so the peach is we've been showing her old like not necessarily that old, but YouTube videos of people playing like old Mario Party mini games and various other like people just playing. Side no no let's play, no audio, no talking over it, just pure game footage with the sound from the game. And we showed her Super Mario Galaxy. And when she realized that Rosalina came from space, she lost her fucking mind. <laughs> she ran around the house screaming, Rosalina comes from space. Rosalina comes from space. Oh, and that is so adorable. It was the cutest. Like it was like all her favorite stuff in the world was secretly connected. Right. And it like it, she wouldn't stop talking about it for actual days. This was like a week ago at this point. And it was it, it was just the best. Like her, her brain actually blew up. It was so great. And uh, now, you know, at the age she, she is, she's six. There's a lot of pretend play going on where she's just like in a corner talking to herself. And 99 percent of it right now is Mario centric. And that's awesome. Yeah. And so I'll hear her be like, and Bowser, don't do that. Don't do that. And then Rosalina, go back to space. Uh, and I'm Rosalina and I'm from space. And I, you know, like, oh, <laughs> it's so great. That is so cool. And then this is why representation matters because you can see Rosalina. Yes. And you'll be like, yes, she's a fucking space goddess, you know? Totally. Absolutely. And it's, you know, Audrey, 100%. She's also at that age where being a girl is very important to her. And, you know, she, she really doesn't care about the male characters in a way mm. she cares about the female characters. And the fact that Rosalina had this whole backstory, which was awesome to her, was huge. And it, it's been really fun to watch that. And Gene, you know, you, I hadn't thought about it, but you are 100% right. That is representation working. Uh, it is. It is. At it's, its right finest. there. Yeah. It's right there. Yeah. Totally. Let's see. What's my final peach? We have uh, our fifth original NSP album coming out in the fall, hopefully. Asterisk, asterisk, COVID style, asterisk, et cetera. In these uncertain times, Jerry, yes. please, please put an echo in that. I, 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 yeah. I, need, I need to say that again. In these uncertain times. Yeah, so who knows what's going to happen with that. So the, the audio is completely done, like all mastered and everything. And we just saw the first uh, like album cover design. Which is by the Laser Horse. Uh, he's done a bunch of our, uh, our our other albums, including Cool Patrol, Under the Covers Three, all that sort of stuff. Um, and it's so fun. So the the album is called The Prophecy, which is the, I think we've mentioned that uh, online. And we, I don't really want to give anything away, but as you can imagine, with that title, there's kind of a medieval <laughs> sort of vibe to it. Laser Horse is so fucking good. It's so good. He gets it and it's all like it's like 70s style fantasy vibe oh it's it's really awesome cool. so i'm i'm a i'm very excited the music on the album i love i think it is we're lucky enough to say every album we make we're we think it's the best thing we've done which is if it ever stops being the case that i feel that way i don't want to be making those albums anymore but uh i love the songs on this one and i'm just very excited about it so those are my three peaches. Oh, sorry. Actually, I have a fourth peach. I know they're unprecedented, but I'm going to say it. Uh, my fourth peach is that uh, I got to talk to Gene Park for like four hours. 
this week. <laughs> We've really gotten to know each other these past two days. <laughs> we really have. Yeah. So after we finished yesterday, I had to jump off into another meeting uh, with my friends, uh, these guys, the Skeptics Guide to the Universe, that do a really great pro-science podcast. They've been doing it for, I think it's 15 years now. It's one of my favorite things. And I was like, eyes, I just got done recording and we didn't have the audio and I was uh, like, and I feel terrible and all this stuff. And, uh, and, and I was so bummed for, for a bit. And Gene, I, I said it before, I'm going to say that you could not have been kinder and nicer about the whole thing. And the real peach here is that we got to hang out for even longer. And I am just so grateful for you giving all this time to, to me, to Layton, to us as the podcast. So Thank you, thank you, thank you for for being a part of this twice. And I like, I'll I'll be real here. I like this episode more than the one we recorded yesterday. We got into the orgy stuff, which just really bumps it up to the next level. So <laughs> yeah, I was also thinking, like, yeah, that 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 shit was good. Look, I was about to yeah. say, uh, I only opened up about about the orgy because of the amount of time we spent together. Now, you know, it's like okay, well, totally. That was the moment where I was like, we've got this. Yeah, this is like, there's a flow here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And I was like, yeah, I, I, I don't often repeat the orgy story, but uh, <laughs> here it is now. So I'm yeah. honored that you would share with us on yeah. this, this very special day. Yeah. Thank you so much for being here. This has just been like such a treat. I had so much fun, too. Thanks so much, you guys, for having me here. Where can we find you on social? Oh, yes, please. Please tell everybody. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You can find me on Twitter. Uh, I'm, I'm extremely easy to stalk online. I'm just Gene Park on Twitter and Instagram. So drop in and say hi. Yeah, and Gene, as, as we said before, has a truly wonderful Twitter uh, and writes great stuff for the post about uh, gaming. So please uh, check his stuff out. You won't be disappointed. I am terrified to click this stop recording button for fear of what's about to happen. But I, I think we're going to be okay. Layden, tell me it's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. It, it's going to be okay. okay Everyone great. listening, you're great. Thank you for being here. We love you, gamers. Take care of yourself. Take care of others. You're all great gamers. Keep gaming. Keep loving. Keep gaming. Keep laughing. Keep learning. Most of all, be a great gamer. (laughs) 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 End of the fucking podcast. Goodbye. Bye. Bye. (laughs) Late Night is produced by Brian Wett, Leighton Gray, and Jarek Centeno. Follow us on Twitter at Leighton Night, on Instagram at Leighton underscore night, or email us at LeightonNight at gmail.com.